Whether your beer is in a bottle, can, or glass, kick back and relax. It's Better on Draft. Welcome, everybody, to the Craft Beer News segment for October 13th, Friday the 13th, 2023. My name is Ken. Thank you so much for joining us. I truly appreciate it. It has been a crazy week, to say the least, but it is the end, and we're here to drink and have some fun. Let's go over and see what everybody is drinking, starting with Tito. Tito, what do you got? Uh, Tonight, I'm finishing off uh, the last bit of my uh, breakfast in Guatemala from Arctic Brewing. And then uh, coming up next, I got a fresh crack of uh, Black is Beautiful by uh, Saga Talk, which I should have had that answer in the last segment, but Saga Talk Brewing. There you go. And uh, Dan getting bailed out by Bats McGee, about to get replaced by him. What are you drinking? Oh, boy. Um, So I've actually got this Alesmith Speedway Stout Affogato Edition. Um, Really good. Whatever they did with this, they if you've had Speedway, you know it's a bit better. This tastes like Speedway Stout without the bitterness. Apparently, it pairs well with vanilla ice cream. So definitely give it a try. Make yourself a beer float later. Yeah. Well, I've only got one can, so probably not, but. <laughs> Wendy, what are you drinking? One day. Uh, so I finished up my Hefeweizen from the Schoolcraft Brewery, and I have moved on to the 275 Kolsch. I, I, so I've lived in Michigan my whole life. Do you call like I-275 275, or do you say 275? Is is that what it's supposed to be? I don't know. I I, I would assume so, but I'm I would just... assume so since they're on two seventy five. Whatever. I've never heard it called two seventy five. Is that? It's no, not. No, I, I think I think no. she was just doing I the numbers like seven three four or four two four. Oh, okay. So she was saying two seven five, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be two seventy five. You're probably right. <laughs> just it was it's one of those things week. that's just like in my head, and I could not. Um, uh, I was I went to the Lions game with Nick on Sunday, and he kept calling tinnitus tinnitus. And <laughs> what? And he also calls gifts gifs too. I bet. Oh my god! Let's not hurt the guy while he's down. Um, but like, he he said it like three times, and I'm like, have I been saying it wrong this whole time? Like, am I wrong? And he goes, No, the doctor pronounced it that way, so I just pronounce it that way. I'm like, All right, whatever. I trust your doctor. Um. I'm a big so I've got, fan of how do you say that on Google. What's that? I'm a big fan of how do you say that on Google. Oh. <laughs> I uh, I am drinking a third Oktoberfest for the night. Uh, I'll probably be drinking it throughout the night. Uh, we are pushing through. Have you guys started watching uh, House of Usher or the fall of the House of Usher yet? Is that about the okay. singer? Uh, no, it is. <laughs> uh, no? Uh, from, it, it predates the singer. Um, it is from Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, so I'm pretty sure he predates Usher, the delicious. lyrical artist. Um, so uh, we're probably going to be trying to push through a lot of the episodes today and tomorrow. So I will be up and drinking and having fun and watching that. But it is the Craft Beer News segment, which means we go over the news of the week or recent weeks to talk about what's going on within the world of Craft Beer News, starting with Dan. Dan. What do you yeah, got? Let me, pull my, let me pull my thing back up. So this is another throwback back to um, GABF. You know, I had the 
the pleasure of going to the um, Boston Beer uh, Brunch hosted by Jim and Sam uh, from Boston Beer and Dogfish Head. Um, and this really caught my attention because Jim told a good story that I'm going to talk about here in a second. And um, Jim said in this article that the craft into the craft beer industry today is what success looks like. And I'm curious if you guys agree if the current craft beer, because we know it's going down. He even mentions it in this interview um, that it's going down um, as far as, you know, volume goes, sales goes, you know, we're seeing breweries go away, everything like that. Um, and Ken, I don't know if he told the story when you were there the year before, but he told the story of how Utopia's got its name because we were so close to a dystopian world of just macro craft beer like Bud, Bud Light, Miller Light, until him and him and people like him got everything together. So I'm curious if all of you here think we are still in a successful era of craft beer or if it's starting to decline. Um, Tito, we haven't seen you in a while, so I'm going to start with you. I mean, from my perspective, I think we're still in the successful era of craft beer, but I, I do think it's slowing just because of all the introductions of, you know, the NAs and um, the NAs, the RTDs and things like that. So I think it's slowing some. I don't think that it's it may be on a like a steep decline and we won't see craft beer in you know, in a few years. No, I don't think that. But I, I do think that craft beer is still here. And I think it will always be here just because of just because of what it is and what it offers every people. So now you just said something interesting. You think um, NAs are part of the decline of craft beer? I, I You know, those types of beers. Yeah. I mean, anything that's not, you know, purely craft or, or you know, what the alcohol content. I mean, NAs are a version of a of a craft beverage. Um, but I do think that they're probably taken away from some because I don't, you know, we've seen I've seen articles in the past, you know, saying that how, you know, the millennials and the newer generation are drinking less. So and that may be part of it as well. Um, not just, you know, and that may be part of it as well, because they're going to the NAs, they're going to the to the RTDs, they're going to the. um, What is the the white clam? What is that called? Those white things, claw. the seltzers and stuff yeah, like that. White, yeah. claw, white clam. Yeah, white clam. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> I love that. It's like you're sucking on a clam. That stuff's getting terrible. Oh my gosh. That's that's an interesting thing because one thing they were doing now, uh, Sam Adams just the Hayes won a gold medal, I believe, last year at GABF for an NA beer. Um, and they were giving out samples of that, and people are actually ordering it because you know the beer was complimentary, but of course it was all dogfish head and Sam Adams. You know, you can't, if you're just handed that beer, you can't really tell if there's alcohol in it or not. It's that they really did a good job with it. I feel like that's actually going to help as far as craft beer goes. If more brands are putting out the craft beer options, you're seeing it at more bars. You know, they're not just doing the Heineken Zero or I don't know, is O'Doul still out there? I can't even think of other yep. oh, yeah, you know, macro. O'Doul's has uh, uh, a little line. Like they have like three or four different variations oh, wow. of their beer, not just like regular uh, lager O'Doul's. So I do, that brings it back to, I think um, the NA craft beers will actually help. What do you think about this, Wendy? Are we, is it still a success? story right now or is it going downhill yes so i think that what people are looking at when they say it's going downhill is that you're not getting the same production numbers you don't have the the breweries that are as big as they were um back in the day 
but there's still so many more breweries around. And part of what he was talking to in this article was that they're here to stay. They're part of the environment now. So pretty much any town you can go to, there's a brewery within 15 or 20 minutes. So you have the opportunity to drink craft beer rather than buying the Bud Lights and the Coors and the Millers that we didn't have that opportunity when we were younger. So yeah, I think it is still a success. Um, I also think that the NAs are definitely going to help the industry um, because they're showing that they are versatile and willing to work with what people want to drink when they come to their brewery. And then what about you, Ken? You, like I said, you've had the opportunity to go to this and beat uh, Jim and Sam before. They've made it. So, you know, those guys are set. They could both retire tomorrow if they wanted to. But what about these smaller guys? Are they going to be able to, could we go to a smaller brewery and say, they'll tell us, yes, we're succeeding? I, all things considered, a lot of breweries today are having issues between um, the the cost of everything going up, the cost of ingredients, the cost like, and then having to pass it on to the customer, um, the amount of choices that people have. Like, there, there's a lot of things that will, I, I want to say, right size the market. Um, there are breweries that will rise to the top because breweries still go out of business today. Like we're, we're still losing breweries. We're still going to see the effects post PPP loans of what breweries were able to stay afloat during that time versus which ones are out. Um, look at some of even the, uh, the big players like stone getting out of the game and selling to, uh, Oh my God, not lion, but Sapporo, I think um, like there's, there's a lot of things that, can and will happen, but it all depends on what what you decide is um, succeeding. Uh, are you successful if you're putting you know food on the table for your family and you're providing a living for your kids and the rest you know like that's successful to a lot of people. Therefore, why do you need anything else? Like you don't need to have a big production facility to be successful. Um, look at Baffin. Uh, they don't have food there. They are packed every single day. People are there. That is successful for them. And then you look at a brewery um, that might be only open a few days a week, like a beer camp over in Ann Arbor or um, uh, Ipsy Ale House, where the guy's looking to retire. I mean, there's a lot of these breweries that have been open for 25, 30 years that they might close because they can't find anyone to buy. Like, what what is success, I guess, would be my my question to each and every brewer what is your success is your success selling out is your success going distro is your success making money that you don't have to take out more loans and you're paying out loans and you can expand like loaded dice so um yeah there's room for all these other crafts and stuff like that and i think there will be a right sizing where some people will get left in the rubble but i i don't think there's there's good we we talked about the craft beer bubble since episode one. I don't think one yep. exists. I yeah. I really don't. I agree with you. Not everyone's trying to be Sam Adams and Dogfish Head. So you bring up a good point. Um, last point that we'll move on is success might be just you know making a living off of your local brewery. You know having your brew pub, and I'm glad you brought that up. 
um, because not everyone wants to do nationwide distribution. We talk to guys all around the country and women all the time, all across the country, you know, and if success to you is, you know, making a living and making everyone in your local neighborhood happy, then it is success. So I do agree with that. I mean, we've talked to breweries that people beg them to sell their beer to distro, to sell their beer at bars, and they won't. They're like, no, I want yeah. people to come to my brewery. I want uh, people to experience the beer at the brewery, not and, – and that's a little bit of this is probably control. Like, you can't control how it gets – you know, imagine if it went to uh, Augie's, like, with those dirty-ass lines – um r.i.p <laughs> I, I i only say it now because they don't you know they're they're gone um but like there there's plenty of bars where we've gone to where the lines are so dirty and you're like holy shit this beer is bad i had and, one i'm not going to call out names i just want to put a quick thing i might have mentioned it before not too long ago i somewhere where they put ken you've had kilt lifter put yep. a pint down in front of me i could smell it standing you know and i'm pretty tall it was sitting on the bar. It was so dirty. I could smell the beer from not even picking it up. And I was just like, no, sir. <laughs> yeah. So when you deal with a lot of that, you're, you're controlling um, your own narrative. Look at, I, I, I'll, I'll finish the conversation by saying, look at what happened with um, what was Joe Walter Liberty street, uh, Liberty street expanded. They went into distro, um, and it was like the worst of everything. Like they got screwed within their distro contract. They got screwed um, within like the explosion of craft beer at that time. Like a lot of things went wrong for Joe. And now he's just like, I'm just going to make my beer at my place and nothing else. Like that's what he wants to do to succeed. And if he does with all for one coming up in Livonia and succeeds and, you know, can feed his family and do everything great. That's success. You don't need to make, you know, even 500 barrels a year to be successful. You just need to make enough to do it on your own. Yeah, I agree. And, I th- and you know, one other thing is that if with that definition of what is what do you determine as success? Um, and if, you know, and it's different for each brewery. And so I think a lot of more breweries may be going to the model of just staying local and not doing a distro. Um, and I think another, maybe another perception as to that craft beer is kind of dying out or, or going on a downslide. Maybe if you just go to your neighborhood box store and you just look at how they rearrange, you know, their beer section, there's a lot less craft beer there. I mean, there's, you see seltzers, you see um, NAs, you see the domestic stuff all over the place, but you see in a smaller selection of craft beers out there. I know at least I am, you know, it's like you go to Meyer, they redo their section. It's like, wait, where's the craft beer at? This whole aisle used to be it, but now it's not anymore. So, so could that be going back to the more, you know, neighborhood breweries versus the larger distro? Because we saw everyone and their mother trying to get into distribution. And I really think we've gotten back to the, you know, like it was pre-prohibition where, you know, you went to your local brewery, what was in your area. I feel like we've really gotten back to that because there's no shortage of breweries out there. I just don't think they're distributing like they used to. I agree with that. I feel, well, Michigan is always such a a pain in the ass state because our distro and self-distro laws are just so archaic. Even the updated laws are so archaic. So 
I, I was talking with Ryan Locke, who we had him on the show. He was from Brew Detroit. Uh, he works for M4CIC now um, as the sales director over there. We're going to be having him on the show soon. Um, but we need more of these small distributors to be able to get these small breweries, at least even for um, a marketing campaign, get their name out. Like It's good for brewery face on to get out their beer at eight degrees Play-Doh because then people will know, hey, oh, crap, there's a brewery over near Indian Village or East English, not East East Village, not East English Village. That's Harpo's. Um, traffic. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you have like positives that you can get, but you don't get it within um, the world of craft beer in Michigan. So I, I think there's there's room for distro. I think we still see plenty of distro. I still think the the um shelf space is there like when you go to meyer that shelf space is still there sure it's getting filled up by rtds and stuff but i think not only the the space is just getting bigger like they are accounting for more area for beer because that's what people want they want to buy local they want to buy uh fresh they want to buy beer uh seltzer and rtds all in one spot that's why they go to meyer um so yeah i uh, again, uh, the the name of the article is Jim Coke in the craft industry today. What is success or what success looks like? Um, success is literally just success. And I think everyone has their own definition. Well said. Yeah. Well, Wendy, what's your article? Well, so my article is kind of a leftover from last week, uh, but I it's really played on my mind all week, so I kind of wanted to talk about it anyways. Um, I found an article in the New York Post um, that there are di- anti-diabetic drugs that seem to be um, impacting beer stocks. So I, I did a little bit of research on it and found that it was not just the New York Post that was talking about it, but quite a few different outlets. Um, Apparently, anti-diabetic drugs like Ozembic and Wegovi um, are being touted for their weight loss and appetite suppressant benefits. Um, and since those have kind of taken off, um, the stocks of beer and snack distributors seem to be taking a hit because of it. Uh, Nestle's share price dropped last week 2.5%. Um, Mondelez, who is behind brand names like Oreos and Chips Ahoy, took a hit of 2.7%. Kelanova, which was formerly known as Kellogg's, is down 1.5%. Uh, the Constellation Brands, who is, you know, the U.S. distributor for Modelo, uh, recently took, that recently took over Bud Light, um, is the nation's most popular beer, is down 1.3% as of last Friday. Um, but what does that have to do with this medication? Apparently, Walmart, who knew that they were going to be able to do give us this information. Um, they sell the drugs at their pharmacy, so they were able to study changes in sales pattern using anonymous data on shopper populations, which um, is a whole other topic. Um, but that data allowed them to see how many customers on those weight loss drugs, um, they were able to compare their shopping habits and to those that are not taking the medications. Um, And they are saying that the users of the drugs, which are reportedly causing some unpleasant side effects, um, I don't want to talk about that, though, have said that the appetite suppressants has cut their grocery bill by as much as 20 percent. 
Um, someone who struggles with their weight on a regular basis. I went down that rabbit hole on this um, because it was kind. It was important to me. And I know, like Ken, you were on the keto diet for a long time, very publicly on the show. Um, it's something that kind of resonates with me. Um, but Bloomberg says that custom consumer staples gauge dropped three point one percent just this just last week. Um, Fortune Magazine says that U.S. consumer staples are the third worst performing among the S&P 500 sectors for this quarter and are down 9.1% for the year. Um, Morgan Stanley found that patients tended to cut back on meals and snacks while taking the weight loss drugs and also consume less alcohol and carbonated drinks. Fortune says that the large international companies will be will find this nothing more than an irritant, but that if you are in a fast food outlet or a smaller business where the bulk of consumers are on these drugs, it's going to hurt. So my question is, do you think that this is just another thing that the craft beer industry is going to have to combat? Or are the drops in stocks just a reaction to the fact that Walmart released this data? So I'll take a stab at this because I've looked into this. That Ozempic thing, it's a craze as far as losing weight and it works. Um, why people aren't drinking beer, I have no idea. Um, I do know, like me personally, if I seek to stop drinking beer for a month, I can drop between 20 and 30 pounds. So that does play in a factor. But I don't know why this drug is stopping people from doing things like that if they enjoy it. Um, I think it's just a reaction to Walmart releasing that data. I mean, we were talking about 1% drops and 1.5% drops in there. I don't think that's at the end of the world. And people just had a little bit of a panic. Be like, oh, my God, people aren't drinking beer because they're losing weight with the drug. So I think it's just panic. I don't think it's a long-term thing. Plus, there's a lot of people that are never going to do that. You don't know too many craft beer people unless they're in a really dire situation and needing to lose weight. They're just going to like be like, oh, I'm done. Let me take this drug and lose. It takes like 15% over a year off your weight, if I remember correctly. You're not going to see a lot of people who are average or a little bit heavier. Like no one on here is like morbidly obese, you know, including myself. I'm a pretty big guy, too. I don't think you're going to see that demographic just be like, Oh, not drinking beer anymore. Cause I'm taking this drug. Well, so the, the biggest weight loss is the, uh, the thing that Al Roker had, um, the surgery. The surgery. Yeah. Like gastric bypass. And yeah, when you yeah. have gastric bypass, you cannot drink alcohol. Like you right. get violently ill when you drink alcohol on a gastric bypass for this, this is, and again, we're, we're in a lot of, um, you know, studies haven't been fully conclusive on Ozempic regarding it's uh, still certain, certain things. Yeah. It's still, still way too new, but the important things to note is, is that it's one of those drugs where the more you take, the more appetite suppressant it is. Um, and the less you take, the less as so you can like gauge how much appetite suppressant you need. Um, it's not addictive, meaning that if you go off of it, then it's like you just go back to normal. It does, there's no like adverse side effects. This is, of course, based on a lot of studies on the drug so far. Um, with that in mind, um, you know, I, I wonder, and I know Dan and I have talked about this personally um, within the, the specifics of just regular life, but does this go into effect of the appetite you get when you drink? Um, 
you know, because the the worst thing about drinking, especially when you're trying to lose weight, isn't necessarily the drinking. It's what you eat after the high fat foods, high calorie. You're you're eating whatever is closest and whatever is easiest. And that is, you know, it might be that person who went to Taco Bell. Uh, during the episode 329 <laughs> yep. that we talked about, um, it might be, you know, I've, I found myself where I'm drinking and I'm like, crap, I need to eat. And I just kind of like gorge and eat food. And I'm like, oh my God, this is not 100% I- ideal. So is there, and, and we talked about, is this going to cut into beer sales? Is this going to cut into alcohol sales? I don't think so. I don't think people are going to get rid of, you know, that vice if they can manage both the vice and the weight loss. I'm I'm kind of curious as to how they're making this connection and this correlation between. I mean, for people that are potentially taking that taking that drug and you know taking that supplement or whatever, and they're making a conscious choice, you know, to lose weight. So go what goes along with that is the conscious choice to potentially stop drinking pop, stop drinking beer, stop drinking those things. I mean, is that a direct connection to the a side effect or the or the end effect of taking that drug? I don't think so. So I'm really curious as to how they're making that connection. Just just, you know, based off of what people have in their shopping cart. Yeah. If they're, you know, taking this drug to lose weight. Yeah. They're going to have less food in their cart in the first place because they're trying to lose weight. So. And if it is a anonymous survey, like you're you're not supposed to be looking at the two of them together. How do they know? When you purchase something at the pharmacy, how do they know that you didn't go and purchase something different? Like if it if it's not supposed to be your name's not supposed to be on there, how are they putting those two together? That's a right. good question. Right. I, I I I don't know what law. So if you guys remember the this might have been like a decade ago when Target was able to um figure out when women were pregnant before women were actually pregnant there was a study of analytics that target did where they were able to match up um purchases with what aisles these people are in and shopping in and all this information from the target red card their rewards card all that stuff they were able to find out like women that were pregnant before the women actually knew they were pregnant. And the amount of data and analytics that go into these stores, um, you know, for, for my work, like we work with a lot of these bigger named organizations and their analytics are so hyper specific. Like we know so much data about what, what time people are in the stores, how many people are in the stores, what types of people are in the stores, male, female, um, you know, they're different races they're different ages they're different incomes. Like the amount of data that they have there is stupid. And to top it all off, when you have platforms like AWS, um, they can take all of this data, analyze all of it and feed it back to you in a report that's easily readable. Um, you don't need an, a, a business analyst anymore. You just need the data and some computer gives you those answers so when we're talking about how do they know what drug you're taking versus um what you're buying what they're probably doing is is that taking the data and information of how much that drug or when that drug is getting picked up 
how often it's getting picked up, not by necessarily the person, and then what is selling in the time around it. Because they know what sells when. They know what time is the big time for, you know, cabbage to sell. Like, they know the, the best. You you guys laugh, but they have times where these foods yeah. know have to be restocked because for some reason. Cabbage. <laughs> I, I had cabbage today for uh, dinner. Like, it just, like, but they know, like, oh, hey, Tuesdays at 6 p.m. is when a lot of people buy cabbage for some reason. So we need to make sure that the stocks are filled at the, you know, the shelves are filled at that time with stock. So yeah, it's, it, oh, go on. No, I was just about saying, collecting with collecting all that data, I can see it's really easy to connect who's buying what, you know, be via credit card statements or, or even rewards, uh, your reward ID or whatnot. So, I mean, it's, it's really easy to connect who's buying what with, you know, what all, what all they're buying. So I know every time I go, maybe even if I switch credit cards, they'll still, still a connection back to me. So they, they, they know everything that I'm buying on this trip, on that trip, on this trip. So yeah, I, I do agree. I mean, they have all that data and it's really easy to draw trends between what people are buying and whatnot. So, you know, I, I, I can see that. Yeah. Until they make a over the counter version of this, I don't think we're going to see anything too crazy um, that Walmart is being scared of. I mean, obviously this is a, a fortune article and they're talking about it and I think they're trying to trend for the future. Um, but I don't foresee a lot of people getting Ozempic. And then of course, what happens in 10 years when like 10 years worth of Ozempic use gets <laughs> analyzed too. Oh, I agree with that for sure. All right. Well, Wendy, I will pass it off. Uh, Tito. Um, let's see here. Like I say, short notice. I didn't have much of a research going, but I do have one here. Um, there was, if I can find it, let me pull it up here. Da, 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 da. It's okay. We're only live. We I know we're <laughs> live. Come on. <laughs> So apparently there's, yeah, I know. Apparently there's a uh, a mystery Philly fan out there buying rounds of beer for people at and you know at stadiums and whatnot. So I guess apparently uh, at the Philly station at the Philly games, uh, there's a mysterious, uh, generous fan that's going around buying uh, full sections at the stadium of a beer. Actually, two rounds of, of beer at the stadium. So, which I, I actually think this is pretty cool. I wish this happened at a at a, a game that I went to. Um, they said the mystery buyer did two rounds, so it basically added up to roughly about nine thousand dollars that they spent on those two rounds out of this one particular section at the at the ballpark. So, one question I would like to to pose to the panel here and see what you guys think about this is: this something that, if you had the means? Is this something that you would potentially do if you were a frequent flyer to some, you know, some of these uh, sporting events or whatnot? Is this something that you think that you would do? Or and if if you didn't have the means, would you actually want to be sitting in that section no matter what the beer was? So let's go to Dan. What do you think? So first off, I hope this guy is there next week because it's going to be the last <laughs> two games that the Phillies are playing at home after the Diamondbacks <laughs> did kick them. <laughs> 
you don't believe me, just look how the Diamondbacks are playing right now. They've had one home game. Um, I would 100% do this if I had the means to do it. That is completely badass. Um, would I want to be sitting in the section? Yeah. Even if you're handing me a Bud Light, I might not drink it, but the thought that you did that is amazing. So I would 100% do it if I could, and I'd 100% want to be there because someone cool enough to do that for everyone, like, I want their beer. If they're going to do that, I'm more than gracious to take that. It's a really cool thing to do. Yeah, I'd drink it even if it was a Bud Light. How about you, Wendy? <laughs> yeah, free beer is good beer. <laughs> not always, but in this case, I definitely would. <laughs> so if we were handing case, out hams, would you be okay it. with that? Oh, oh, hold up, hold up, hold up. <laughs> hold up. I don't think stadiums sell hams. Thank fucking God. Don't give them the idea because that's terrible. Yeah, instead of $9,000 worth of Miller Lite, you're buying $7,000 worth of hams. Good God. <laughs> I have drinking some pretty crap beer just because it was given to me. So um, I'm pretty sure that I could handle drinking whatever this guy bought or girl, whatever. They're anonymous, so we don't know. Um, if I had that money, hell yeah, I would do something like that. I think it's pretty awesome because they were just like, we're having a good time. This one's on me. How about you, Ken? Uh, oh, yeah, 100%. Give me a beer. Um, doesn't matter what the beer is. If, if you put a beer in front of me, I will be happy. I will say thank you, and I will drink it. You put a whiskey in front of me, I will be happy, and I will drink it. Um, I, I'm the kind of person where I just don't. If, if you're going to buy me something, then it's dealer's choice. You're you're buying me probably what's in your means to buy me. Uh, so if you can't afford, you know, eighteen hundred tequila, uh, Bats McGee is asking. <laughs> Bats McGee in the Twitch is saying, even if it's a hazy, honest to God, even if it's a hazy. I mean, I got uh, I don't know how many beers we get got from Alaskan, but I went through those hazies and that the IPA up there. Like, I I will drink what is bought for me. So that's. There, there's nothing around it. Um, if you're giving me a shot of, you know, five o'clock vodka, um, I'd question your your choices in life. <laughs> It'd probably be for me. So hold on. <laughs> so but there's there's a difference. Thing. There's a difference between buying someone around and trolling someone. And I would believe you were trolling me. Probably. And at that point, the the rules are a lot different. But if like you were like, man, you've been so good to me. I've been on hard times. Let me buy you a drink and you buy me a shot of five o'clock because you're, you know, you lost your job and that's all you can afford. Then I would gladly take it. But if you're giving me a shot of five o'clock just to give me a shot of five o'clock just to watch me drink it, um, you know, I, I don't know if I would. I, I think there, there's that little... That there's there's that line that I'm gonna draw on the sand right there. Uh, so I thought of something. Oh, so no. that you said that. So <laughs> now I'm concerned. This happens where I'm at, and they hand me a pumpkin beer. Oh, oh, <laughs> like oh yeah, Dan. Dan, beer. they're giving you a pumpkin from uh, Dogfish Head, um, which they had on. Uh, what, what what if what if uh, Sam came over and gave you that glass? I would have to smile and nod and just down the hatch. <laughs> yep. The, the man so, gave me $300 worth of Utopias in a matter of 15 minutes. So I'm going to smile and nod and say thank you. 
So I was at the St. Patrick's Day Parade in Detroit and um, one of the bars was doing, they had like a $2 craft special. And one of like, you had to just reach your hand in the bucket and pick whatever craft beer they had in a can out. And I pulled out a pumpkin beer and I traded it. I'm not. Oh, I would hand it to someone else and go for round two. (laughs) I did. I didn't drink it. I also don't like, um, like shamrock. Like I don't like mint. Shamrock shakes. I love a shamrock shake. That shit is delicious. Oh, but like not. I don't like mint in a stout or in any other type of beer. Like it never tastes the way it should. It always tastes like mouthwash to me. So. I'm pretty sure that the second one I got was a mint one. So I also, I stopped buying them at that point. <clears throat> all right, Ken, uh, I'm going to, Ken, I'm going to challenge you on this one. All right, let's go. Based on, based off of, you know, us hanging out at the, uh, at the beer fest at Jimmy John's field this past weekend. Are you giving me the number two Oktoberfest in the state of Michigan? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm not. Nope, nope, nope. This is a special promo night in Comerica Park. Tigers are playing, and their special sponsor is Smooge. Are you going to drink that Smooge? Hell yeah. Really? If, if they're giving me free Smooge, I'll drink it. I mean, it, okay. I, I can't chug it. That's for damn sure. <laughs> no, no, um, chug Smooge. I, I, so Tito was, so I've never had Smooge until Saturday night. Me neither. And I had uh, we I think we had two different ones and I had one of their like tropical flavors. So not like the strawberry banana or whatever uh, their natural, normal flavors are, quote unquote. Um, And I had it and I mean, it it existed, but it's not what I wanted to drink. I guess I guess that's probably the best way to describe it is it's something that I just did not want to drink. I did not want an alcoholic smoothie beverage and i understand that's what it is and that's what i was getting into but i was like when i want that i'll probably want that but in all honesty if i want that i probably want rum like i'll probably want a pina colada i'll probably want a margarita i'll probably want so like you know eat something frozen like like a um like the, the, the frozen slushy yeah. machines that you see in vegas yep. all the time <laughs> like i would go that far but smooge is just not a a style of drink that i want and therefore i i probably will never have it again unless it's you know i'm at comerica park and someone's <laughs> giving it to me for free or it's just getting handed out yeah you just smile I, and nod you, you smile yeah, and like uh homes you know the the company that makes smooge is homes and or troubadour which is the same company that is homes and they have an amazing coffee like cream ale over there that is just so good and anytime that i'm over at homes that's just what i go for because it's always on draft sometimes they have a barrel age that's on draft like they they have at least one beer within my style that i'm happy with so and i don't go and i post on facebook that they didn't have any of my style beers you know i would never make that mistake again (laughs) where can you go wrong with like nine ipas and a bunch of like polishes and loggers 
I I mean I if they had a coal shot would have been great. They did like when I went no. to foam foam had uh I think foam had 16 beers on tap and it was all kettle sours, oh. IPAs and one I think it was, it was I think it was a pilsner and that pilsner was so damn oh. good. Well that's that's <laughs> like I couldn't like it may, maybe you know what Wendy maybe that's why I'm team anti flight. Because when I go to a brewery and I can only have one beer or two beers, why would I want a flight when I can only want to drink one or two? That makes uh, sense. I mean, I don't get a flight if I'm in that case, if I'm in that situation. I but. just leave. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Dan, you're after that whole debacle. You're kind of a you look at the menu before you show up places now kind of person. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Yep, same here. I still don't. I, Even after all that, well, it depends worst, on who I'm traveling with. The worst part is we had people saying like, you're being an ass for doing that. Like I'm allowed to like what I like. Like, don't get mad at me if I don't want to go drink your nine sours. Like Absolutely. I'm going to go somewhere that has beer. I want to try No. And that's, well, you know, the, the whole thing and I'll, I'll, I'll let it be for tonight, but the whole thing that I had against <laughs> that brewery is, is that that brewery makes amazing other style beers. Like I've mean got three Tom. in my fridge right behind me. Um, you know, Tom. And, and so I was just kind of like, <laughs> when you get, when you get there, you get to the, we, we talked about it going like, or we, we talked about it on our Facebook page. Like a lot of people, their their white whales are having a beer at a specific brewery, having Pliny the Elder at Russian River, having, you know, uh, your KBBS at Toppling Goliath. Like these are things that are a little bit more like for me, like I wanted to have Zoe at Main Beer Company or Mean Old Tom or King Titus or their Oktoberfest. Like there's all these beers that I wanted. It just wasn't there. And it just it, it sucked. And it was what it was. So. You live, you learn, uh, and you don't post it on Facebook. Um, uh, my, maybe they lived and learned too, because when I went, there was a much wider variety of stuff. So maybe, maybe. And I went like a year after you, so maybe it did. You never know. Hey, more power to them. That's just you know, uh, it is what it is. They're still successful. Uh, and I'm still here running a beer podcast for some reason. Um, so my last conversation that I wanted to bring up, we didn't get to my news article last week because uh, the three of you guys, well, not Tito, but Dennis, uh, had a lot to talk about. Uh, but there was from a uh, beer consultant, and the, the title of the story goes, Bump Williams Consulting, that's the name of the consulting company, manufacturers focus on new shoppers to drive growth, while retailers ask for a focus on core brands. So this is a um, kind of a, a he said, she said. We've talked a lot about where the Gen Z drinkers are going which manufacturers want to try to attract Gen Z drinkers as uh, people age out of drinking, they stop drinking or they sadly pass. Um, So you got to go with the new drinkers. You got to go with what they want and what they need. And they have a wide variety of what they want and need. I don't really foresee um, the kids these days are drinking the way that we were drinking when we were in our early twenties versus, I mean, T- Tito, you've got you've got a kid in college that's a freshman. 
Um, I wouldn't say I'm sure they're experimenting, but uh, they are away from college. So I'm just going to assume they're experimenting. We're going to go with that for this story. <laughs> um, whereas retailers are saying, you know, hey, let's let's focus on the core brands. Let's focus on Bud, Bud Light, Miller Light, Coors Light, um, the brands that sell. Uh, I guess the question is, where is the infighting when it comes to I, I feel the younger generations, including myself, have zero brand loyalty. Um, we don't have true. Um, and, and I think this this is across many brands. We don't love specific brands as much as our parents did. Our parents loved uh, like and, and, and I'm talking like things like big boy um things like better made things like buddies you guys are laughing but your pa- you know your parents had a very specific thing that they loved Big like boys, they- verners verners like they- they'll never buy a canada dry oh no it's always gonna be verners my dad's losing his mind on the west side of the country because he does not have access to verners so i'll put a throw out out there it's tough to do it these days but the one I remember the obsession of is Town Club. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, well, the town with the E. Yep. Town Club sodas. Yeah, the, there are our parents um, and even maybe us as we were younger had this brand loyalty that we just do not have anymore because you you want the newest, the freshest, the hottest. And I don't I, I think retailers don't understand that's what we want. It's a reason why. You know, people go out to Zatuna Liquor because they want to just see what's new. Not what's new in beer, what's new in vodka, what's new in whiskey, what's new in all these drinks. What, like, you know, sure, he might not get into, like, what's new in, like, snack world or what's new in maybe, um, like, he might not have, like, a bunch of stuff like Casamara Club, um, which is, you know, the, the, the mixer soda, Italian soda that's out of Detroit. Um but regarding booze, regarding food, we want to go to the hot new restaurant. We want to go try that. We don't have the same standing reservation at like, God, I can't tell you how many times we used to go to in, in, I grew up in Troy. Uh, there was a restaurant called Marinelli's and we would go to Marinelli's once a week, every single week. Marinelli, like it, it just is what it was. Gathering place. We would go to gathering place once a week. And when I went to the gathering place, it's probably the same 10 people that I saw there are the same 10 people you see every single day. And they are the, the same 10 people who won't be there in 30 years because they won't be here. Period. The late so, out. Yeah. Yeah, they'll 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 age out. They'll age out of drinking. They'll age out of going out. They'll like we do not have the brand loyalty. Like I and and to be honest, uh, us younger generations, we're we're ready to dump brands that we love right away. Like you you do something dumb, you say something dumb, you make a bad decision or you make a bad product. All right, I got you know, I got five breweries within three minutes or you know three minutes of where I live. I, I don't have a, a brewery I go to. So that, that was my rant. Um, sorry. Uh, but, but I'll leave it to you guys. Like, do you think that these organizations as a whole breweries, and let's use the bigger breweries, like your Boston beer company, your Sierra Nevada, Firestone Walker, should they in the craft beer world focus on their core brands or, 
should they do something like New Belgium did where they rebranded a core brand, Fat Tire? They invested in a bigger brand and made it a core brand, Voodoo Ranger. Like, where do you think these bigger breweries with bigger distribution footprints need to uh, need to be in the next year or two? And I'll start with Dan. So you, the perfect thing you brought up was New Belgium. You know, I know they're rebranded Fat Tire, but they need other beers too. And you mentioned 805 as well. 805 is at every bar here. It's the one craft beer um, outside of Stone, if that's still considered craft, that you can find literally anywhere. So you go to the place that has a bunch of macros and then it has Stone. They need to put out other things. If you remember that Ben and Jerry's, we, and we talked about this before, that Ben and Jerry's stout they put out at the early days of the show, do things like that. Your and that's why I think Sam Adams is so successful. Um, because people aren't going to drink Sam Adams every day till the end of, of eternity, people aren't going to drink 805 every day till the end of the eternities. Just put out other things too, and that'll get people coming back because you're right, there are not people like none of us are loyal to one specific brand. Like, I have to have this only and this every day. Like, I'm going to go check out the newest thing. I'm going to go check out the newest beer. Yeah, you're here. You'll always be here. And we've talked about that before, too. So you have to keep innovating or else people are going to forget about you. Look at Greenbush that we talked about in the previous show. They were doing 10,000 barrels in 2015, and they're doing less than 2,000 now. If you're not innovating, people aren't just going to come back. Before before anybody else hops in there, there's one thing that we we need to know. And you, you said like they're they're going to be there, but in reality, they aren't. Look at Rochester Mills. Okay. Rochester Mills is a perfect example. They're they're regional. 805 is gonna be there. No one's taken out Firestone Walker where they're gonna go out. Um, the new variation of fast hire, no one's going to not drink that once in a while. It's not going out. Unfortunately, they shouldn't have changed it. Sam Adams redid Boston lager. Those kinds of beers are going to be around forever. Okay. You don't agree. I, I, I feel like those types of brands, like I feel that I, you could have the new Coke effect where they just go back to the old one. If after, you know, two years, nobody is going like, they're going to see their, their beers drop. Now I, I don't really know what the um, comparison is for new Bell, not new Belgium for dogfish head, but for new Belgium, I mean, fat tire is a dying brand for them. Anyways, like everyone was drinking voodoo ranger, like voodoo ranger is their portfolio. Fat tire was at a side in 2013. 2013 2023 that's a very version of fat tire is better than some of the rangers that i've had in my opinion yeah i can tell the difference between the new fat tire and the old fat tire obviously because they switched up the style almost completely i tried both of the boston loggers and i can't tell the difference between the two to be honest might be a little crisper on the new one but it tastes the same to me I'm still, if, if that's, what's available to me, if that's my craft beer choice, when I go to the airport or I'm at a dive bar, that's what I'm going to pick. But the the question is, are you loyal to that? Are you drinking Boston lager at home? 
and like being loyal to it constantly? Or are you trying? Because I know I know your answer to this. Your are you are you loyal to Boston Lager where you're drinking all the time or not? I don't drink it all the time. I do every now and then. Like sometimes, like when you go to the store, the choices are just overwhelming, and I will pick up a Boston Lager or. I don't even know what the other one I would pick would be, but just or something probably Sierra Nevada, just because I don't want to deal with having to figure out what new thing I want to try. Okay. I mean, for me, I, if, if you want to talk about brand loyalty, like I've probably drank more odd side ales in the last two years than I've drank in any other beer. And that's because that's, that's kind of where my, my, keg loyalty is um and it's never been the the same beers like i i'll get the moscow mule seltzer or i'll get the um uh italian pills that i just finished like i've drank a lot of odd side in keg because i i like what they have and that's what i want to have in my uh my home but i've also had wolverine i've had north center brewing like i've had other kegs here but Odd side is probably where my that is, but is that really brand loyalty when I'm buying just like a keg to kind of have to drink while I'm home and not like when I'm out? Like I, I don't, I can't tell you the last time I had odd side beer outside of my house. Maybe when I went to odd side last year at odd side on Black Friday, I was that was probably the last time I had an odd side outside of my house was then. <laughs> um. I think what's what's going to maintain the brand loyalty is you know is the innovation is is you know these breweries staying true to the craft portion of craft brew craft beers. I mean, as long as they keep innovating, coming out with different things, you're going to maintain that loyalty. And like you're saying uh, with Boston Beer Co. redoing um, Boston Lager, I mean they're just putting a refresh onto something they've been doing for forever. You know, so and that's and that's what's going to keep bringing people back because, oh, now it's fresh as new. I mean, yeah, you may get some folks that are going to be upset because you change what they loved all the time. But I don't think they're going to just drop it and walk away, you know, and that's the other part of the other good part about craft beer, in my opinion, is is you get the seasonal beers that come in and come out. So you will you will get some loyalty out of that, because when that screaming pumpkin coming out, yeah, you better bet your ass I'm going to go get it. So. That's because I that's one of my favorite pumpkin beers. It's the screaming pumpkin from from Griffin Claw. Even when you talk about KBS, people are gonna go crazy coming out for that. Flying Buffalo, people are gonna go crazy when those things come out. So that portion you do get brand loyalty, in my opinion, and it's gonna maintain and stay. Well, don't forget to mention it's almost BCBS time where the people who scream about uh AB and Bev are terrible fucking owners and they shouldn't exist, and then they're like in first in line, first in line. Yep. Yes. yep. Every yep. time. First Every time. So I have to agree with what Tito is saying about um brand loyalty. I think it looks different than it did to our parents because like yes. our parents, they only drank the one thing. Like I had a friend, I, I did a craft beer bus for my 40th birthday and my friend stopped at the store on one of the stops and got Bud Light to bring on the bus. Steve was like, I can't, I've never had Bud Light on my craft beer bus before, but that, because that's all they would drink. So they weren't drinking when they went into the breweries, they were drinking on the bus. Craft beer drinkers don't do that. Craft beer drinkers are loyal to craft 
beer more than they are to a specific brewery. So I'm going to pick the craft beer over one of those other beers, as opposed to I'm going to pick this specific brewery. But there are brands that I'm very loyal to in that I'm going to try the new stuff that they have come out. I'm going to go there as often as I can. And, you know, I'm going to try and trade for stuff that I can get that I can't get here with other friends that can get it. So I just think that the loyalty looks different. It's a fair point. I think that's a perfect way to end this show for myself. Tito, thank you so much for coming out tonight. For sure. Uh, For myself, Wendy, and Dan. Don't worry, Dennis will be back next week. We did not (laughs) lose him. Uh, I know we've had other hosts that have come and gone really, really fast, but Dennis is excited to be here. At least he tells us. Uh, so he'll be back next week. We'll see uh, next that, week. We'll, we'll see how good of a time he had on this week off. That is going to do it. Uh, go check out all of our old episodes. Of course, watch us live Friday, 7.15 p.m. Eastern on uh, Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, and kick all at Better on Draft. And no matter what you think of your beer, we think it's... Better on draft. Have a good night. Cheers.